Hey, everybody, we're live here <laughs> at the Leverage Masters. I don't hear our intro music, so I'm going to sing a song. Welcome to the Leverage Masters <laughs> with Gino Gaudio Grace and Andrea Adams Miller. And we have a great show for you today. Gina, how are you doing? I am fantastic. <laughs> and Lorenzo Hickey, our guest, I'll introduce to you in just a second. Go ahead and say hi. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> well, I am. Hey, oh, and there that? goes the intro Welcome music a little late. Hey, Tuesdays at 12 Eastern and on demand on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio, Leverage Masters hosts Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudio Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage to achieve your biggest goals much faster. We've got to figure out why it keeps doing that to us. <laughs> well, I love it. It just tells us that, hey, we're in the flow and we're in the mix and we've got something fun going on. So let me go well, ahead welcome and introduce everyone. ourselves again. <laughs> Well, welcome to you too, Gina. Um, I'm Andrea Adams-Miller, and of course, that's our host. You just heard Gina Gaudio-Grace, and we have a fabulous show planned for you because we're going to shape-shift your world this hour with Lorenzo Hickey. Lorenzo Hickey has helped form 18, okay, let me make sure you heard that, 18 leading-edge startup companies. He has a bachelor's degree in accounting and an MBA from Pepperdine University, and he has really has this experience of growing organizations of over 20,000 employees, and he's an expert at multiple and all facets of running a business. Now, his company is called Shapeshift World, so that's exactly why we're shapeshifting in this hour, and his business is a place where small to large businesses create a fast path to cash through automated technology stacks, uh, through, well, automated technology, including stacks, sales funnel development, social media engagement. Um, they're expanding into other worlds as well, um, even into more media. The Division Shapeshift University helps turn informational content into lucrative evergreen programs. And then they have another division, which I already alluded to, was the Shapeshift Media. And that supports the development and execution of podcast programs. And and in 2019, that's now, they're launching Elevate Marketplace, a community of like-minded entrepreneurs where the power of we elevates me. And that means you. <laughs> so, Lorenzo, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate being on the show and, and happy to, to get a chance to speak to your audience. Well, we're well, glad to I have you. I want to know more about what Elevate Marketplace is all about. That sounds like it's right up my alley. <laughs> well, sure. Let's talk about that first. Uh, what's, uh, what's really important to me as you bring uh, uh, entrepreneurs, members, and business owners together is creating a place that's trusted, um, that's, uh, that's lived in, lives in integrity. And so the marketplace is designed to bring members, uh, signing up as members to with providers, service providers. Those are teachers, healers, authors, coaches, a business specialist, business strategist, and brings them together. And historically, um, I came from 20 years in banking, financial services market. And so historically, you take a piece of that transaction, everyone, everyone gets money off on top of money. 
this program, this, this marketplace is intended to bring people together at a very low cost for a member, a, a very great uh, per service provided in marketing for the vendors and providers, and bring them together and let them create commerce with each other. And so the goal is not to take their money, but to create the right value proposition and bring people together. We got a little tip. We'll talk about it maybe later, and that's doing it from the inside out. We get to know who you are first from the individual basis, and then we match you up, kind of like spiritual matching. Wow, I love it. And I don't know if you know anything at all about me, but for the past 20 years, I've been known as the JV Queen, short for the Joint Venture Queen. I am all about collaboration and sometimes what I call coopetition, collaborating with those that would otherwise be your competitors. I'm the founder of a platform called Divisio, which is D-U-V-I-S-I-O.com, which is an affiliate network that really helps bring people and companies together. So I love what you're up to with Elevate Marketplace and can't wait to learn more about it. Well, thank you for that. Yes, I did cyberstalk you, which is one of the beauties of today's world. We get to know a lot about each other. I know you're from Cleveland. I know you're human design, thanks to Gina. I know you're a generator. Um, but, yeah, I love what you do. We have a lot of analogies. I talk about collaboration and cooperation. In my first ever job, we talked about coopetition as well. So we have very – we are you and I are very aligned. Thank you for noticing. That's awesome. Okay, Andrea, I'll let you step back in for a few because I know you got to leave early today. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, you know, it's so exciting when we have so many things going on in the world. Uh, uh, this later today, I am doing teaching two webinars on uh, publicity and one on sponsorship. So it just ties in great with what Lorenzo is doing in the world, too, is that, you know, they are looking at so many different aspects of the world and how you can change your business to make it more profitable and more product, you know, and increase your productivity. Let me get that out there. So Lorenzo, when, you know, we're talking about that, let's, um, let's talk a little bit more because you and I've had the pleasure of finding out how you get to really know people as well. So talk a little bit more about how, um, what other modalities, because I know you have them as well, um, maybe some of your own that you've created. I know you're using bank code and human design and other uh, modalities to find out how people tick, you know, what, how do they think, how do they work, how do they respond. And so if you'd kind of address all of that and, and explain why you called her a generator and why I'm a generator as well, that might help people. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's not slander, by the way. I'm sure happy to do that. So when, when we talk about learning about ourselves from the inside out, there are a lot of different systems and solutions that are out there. There's everything from Enneagram to Myers-Briggs to uh, all the more traditional ones. But what we've found as a company is we're talking about trying to find the best possible way to get to know you and doing it in multiple ways so that we can provide to our clients and our friends and our partners insight into themselves. So what ultimately that means as a solution is you get to know more about yourself and you look at yourself with a different filter, right, different lens. I call it sometimes looking at the weather. The weather is just a piece of data. You look outside, it's cold, it's rainy, it's wet. It's information that you're going to use to manage your day or manage your thoughts differently. Well, this is about relationships. Everything we do is a relationship. So the modalities that we have found give us the quickest 
way to understand you and as a customer partner vendor uh, relationship have a chance for you to do it very very fast so human design is based on your birthday so we Shatan Parkin is the the living founder of, of human design he's not the, the original download of the design and he's based in Southern California he's a friend and a partner of the company and human design is in five modalities. It tells you about who you are. We can come back to that. But what I did with Gina and with you, um, Andrea, is look at your human design thanks to your information that you shared, and you are generators. That means you are here to serve and to make things more efficient and more effective. You're a connector. You are really people that just get things done, and your friends and family will look at you and go, hey, I know you can do this, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it on your lap. So important thing to, to just health-wise to make sure you don't take on too much. The other modalities that we have used, Beth Davis has taught me hand analysis, which is a human looking at your handprints and creating a blueprint of who you are from the inside out, your life lessons, your life purpose. It's a much more complicated process because you have to take a handprint. But we can do some readings. It's, it's um, you know, from a hand analysis, we can do some readings by looking at your hands. We call it thumb readings, for example. And we also use nameology science <clears throat> from Sharon. And, and Sharon has the ability to take your name, and it tells you all about who you are. And then we have bank code, which is a great way to talk about your relationships. And so those just four, and there's more to do, that we have lunar astrology and all these other tools. But really the core pieces that we use are human design, bank code, and nameology. Because what we've found when we talk to our clients, they give you a common thread. It's really simple and easy to understand once you know those three. And it gives our users and our members a chance to understand themselves. So the bottom line is we know who you are on the inside, and we're helping you create alignment and getting comfort and getting positioned to, to be clear on who you are, then you're able to serve better in business. And so that's really the method to the madness. So thank you for that. So <clears throat> I uh, went ahead and did some more um, reading based on the things that you shared. I already knew about bank code because um, I, I know Sherry Tree and have a lot of friends who study that. Um, so if I remember correctly, that's how you look at different people's aspects of who they are and how they um, how they hear information, how they buy information, and how they sell information. So how uh, so it's the process of how they. Uh, they're, I guess, like for a buyer's market and a seller's market. It's how people make those decisions. Is that correct? Yeah, so that's one of the key um, aspects that people talk about when they talk about bank code, but it's equally important in your relationship. So I focus mostly on the individual first from the inside, and then we look at how they, they might sell, they might buy, they might interact. So it is all of those things, but certainly bank code is, is heavily uh, concentrated in how to sell best to your clients by knowing their personality, knowing if they're uh, a relator. I'm a relator at parts, but I'm also action-based, so I'm very very about getting it done because my human design, I'm a manifester. So we just look at those pieces and say, how can I better serve my client when I speak to them? There's a, another type called blueprint. Blueprint is something that's very organized. A lot of times generators are blueprint because what, as a personality, they, um, the individuals, yourselves on the call, I'm expect, expecting to hear something, uh, you know, seeing the nodding of the heads, which is, yeah, I do. I get organized. I make things happen, and I do things in a methodical way so that I can be more efficient because as a generator, you get stuff done, which means you have to do things efficiently. And then ultimately, um, there's um, the, the knowledge-based person in the bank code, the K. Right, knowledge-based people are a lot of you know, a lot of professionals with a lot of experience, a lot of education, and they don't like to be sold. They like to be educated. So you don't take when you're talking about sales or services 
or business relationships, you want to make sure and speak and change your words. Uh, and Cherry Anshara is a friend of mine, and she talks about wordology. So you want to make sure your wordology is aligned with the kind of person you're speaking to. And it's not manipulation, folks. Let me just be very clear. It's about understanding. And then you think about this in the context of another way. If you're talking to somebody and you're engaging, you know who they are. Right? If you know, I know Gina's from Cleveland, and I know kind of her background. I know she lived in Chicago. I know she went to Notre Dame. I'm telling her I know her. Right? It's no different than saying I know you as a knowledge-based person. It's just a way to communicate in an authentic way is the way I would believe it's to be true. And thank you for that because, you know, um, as leverage masters, you know, while we understand that people are in business, one of the things that we love is when we have people on who are, and, and we try to hand select people who specifically care about people, and that's their basic core. And from there, then they're talking about business because if you're doing business uh, between two people who care about each other and that business or that process or that service helps them to manifest what it is that they want or to create what they want for their business and their life, then it's a win for everyone. And that's how we look at it from Gina and I's point of view. And so I love that mm-hmm. you are, are that same way that you're like, yeah, bank code's about selling, but that's not what we're about at the core. So I appreciate that. So given all this um, background that you have on personality and how people relate to each other, then take us through, maybe give us uh, one or two stories, give us two stories of how you have worked with someone, like where they were at, and then what you developed or saw for them in their future based on the analysis that you do or assessment that you do, and what you were able to implement to have them come to an end result so that we really get a grasp of what you do. Sure, that'd be great. Thank you for that question. So the first story that makes sense to me to talk about is one of our early stage clients. And and in her uh, design, she's a manifesting manifestor generator, manifesting generator. It's a very difficult design because if you think about it in simple terms, are you taking action and creating things as a manifestor or are you generating and making things happen as as a delivery side? So what happens with that particular personality as I I sit down and talk with those individuals and we do discovery sessions, we talk about strategy, I know right away that this person happens to be female. I know right away that she's going to be in conflict. She's not going to be in flow because she's creative and she's delivering. So what we basically said to her, where are you on your business model and your business maturity? What feels right to you? And she happens to be a, a really amazing healer and a teacher. So we said, well, what if we could create a future vision for you where all you were doing was teaching and healing and making, making a difference in your, in your people's lives, creating students, creating followers? She said, that's what I really want to do. So it, as simple as it sounds, we said, great, then you know what we'll do? We have a brand or model mantra. We say, well, you do what you do best and we'll do the rest. So we said, we'll take over your systems, we'll take over your solutions, we'll take over your marketing, we'll build your funnels, we'll do your sales tools, and we'll simply let you get into flow. And why this is a great use case is because what ended up happening, Andrea and Gina, is she, she tripled her business. And if you think about that for a second, folks, and you think about yourself and your particular use case, your example, your life, if you get rid of the things you're not supposed to do and you get aligned with things that make you feel happy every day, guess what? You're actually more productive. You're actually more creative. And that's exactly what happened in this case. She, she's, and she's one of our favorite clients to work with. 
but she's also, as a manifesting generator, also very creative. So we have to keep her in our little guardrails because uh, at the end of the day, we're, we're supporting her and caring and loving on her by making sure we support her design. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does, and, and thank you for that uh, story because that um, gives people, an ex- especially because she has multiple things in, you know within her world, um, like a dual duality, <laughs> dual personality mm-hmm. without exactly. with, without that being a negative thing, with that being a positive. Yeah, Although yeah. it could be a negative, I, I can see that where that could be um, when you when you do one thing and are disrupted by your creativity in another. Um, like right mm-hmm. now, I, I've been working on Excel sheets, and I, that is not my world. I, I hate because I want to be creative, and you cannot be creative. Um, you can at at a at a at part of it, but unless you know how to use it really well, being creative doesn't work. Because I don't know how to uh, in, integrate the creativity, so I need someone else to be doing mm-hmm. this stuff. Because um, I want to generate, you know, analytics and get some stuff done mm-hmm. that way. Exactly. Um, you got that yeah. Left brain, right thing going. Cool. Yeah, and so right now it's like ah, I want to make flowers inside of my Excel sheet. It's not working. Um, so, um, so, you know, like Sujina and I are both generators. So let's talk about, um, relationships in business, um, and personal relationships where people are, have like the same, that are the same. So I can see where that could be awesome and could leave things lacking. So like when you throw two generators together, what could be, you know, challenges or, you know, now Gina and I, I think we've been in business long enough. I think we kind of figured out where our pluses and minuses are and know how to accommodate for those. And, and we, and we take turns on, on, on the things that we can't get done that are not our positives or our strengths. But at the same time, um, you know, if we were running a corporation rather than a podcast, that could look quite differently. Um, so can you address how you would help a company with two generators in the mix? Yeah, sure. love to do that. Let's talk about it in a couple of different ways. So from a business perspective, two generators are great in the sense that you're both doers, right? You're both going to be get things done. You're both going to create efficiencies. What ends up happening sometimes if you don't have a manifesting generator or a manifester in the mix in your, in your persona, because manifestors are here to inform, and generators and manifesting generators generally respond and then take action. So if you think about human design in that context, two generators are sort of not lacking leadership, and you spoke to business maturity, sure, you're going to have that. But at the end of the day, that, that person that says, this is the direction where we need to go. So what you need to do and what you've done both individually, I'm sure of it because I can energetically read it, is that you actually both have gone to outside people, outside partners to get direction and influence, and so then you, you're now reacting to them. So just be very clear about this. It's not that you're not capable. It's that it's, you're better served by your design to listen to somebody else and say, yeah, I like that idea. Now you take it and run with it. So both of you have networks of friends and people that influence you, and that's why you're effective at what you do. But just be very clear about it. It's actually you're getting input from other people and you're responding. So that is your design. Now, on a business side, where the other, other thing that's really clear to me is you both need balance. Both as generators, you want to make sure that you're not one's overdoing from the other because the downside of being a generator is you work so hard and you work your fingers to the bone, so to speak, and you don't really take time for self-care and take care of yourself and do things. So as a generating partners on a radio show or otherwise, you have to make sure you're, you're sharing with each other positive feedback about thanks for doing this. And oh, by the way, I think that's too much. Don't do that. Or I'll take on some of that. Right. So you create that give and take. So it's actually a beautiful thing. 
Um, but you also have to be aware of the downside, right? Working too hard and, and not taking uh, a time to have some, some self-care and life balance. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So um, let's talk about that for, for the other kinds of, you know, conflicts or um, that could come up uh, with working with different kinds of um, the other things that you mentioned, like manifestors and projectors okay. and so forth and how sure. those work together. Well, well, the other thing I'll talk about a generator, just to, to kind of finish the thought, we've spent a lot of time on it. We are two, our two hosts are generators. The other thing you really need to look at is when you're done at the end of the day, you're done. You're tired. You're, you're kaput, right? And so you, you want to make sure that you say, yep, I'm ready to go to sleep. I'm good to go. And then what happens is you wake up the next day and you've regenerated. It's like the Everetter battery. Right? And you now you get your batteries back up. You're, you're rested and you get going again. So it's a really great environment. Uh, 30% of the world are generators. So a big portion of the are generators, and the, another, um, I think it's about 25% are manifesting generators. So a big portion of the, the, the population are people that are, are doers, getting things done, and can create and co-create. A manifesting personality is a type of personality that very specifically gives direction and informs. Um, and what ends up happening in that case is so others have to just be willing to listen and understand that personality. So as you and I were to have a conversation or Gene and I were to have a conversation, if you knew I was a manifester, right, and now you do, and I say, well, this is what I think we should do. This is where I think we need to go. Some people will take offense to that. But if you see that it's just my nature to direct things, it's not personal. It's just my nature in business. That's a beautiful thing. Because what most people do like in life and in business is somebody who's direct, intentional, lives in integrity, and is honest, right? So if you understand that now in our conversation, we would have a different model, right? So the beauty of that is you don't take offense. Yeah, business is business, and yeah, I like the idea, or I don't, because you can react and respond. So in business, that's a big thing. Now, the other types, and, and I don't know that we want to take the whole show to do this, but let me just go briefly into there's a projector and a reflector. A projector is the person that in a, in a sort of a school setting or a business setting sits back and is in a you know, day or two meetings and doesn't really say a lot. And the reason that they don't is they're, they're observing, they're projecting and understanding all this information, absorbing it like a sponge, and guess what? They need to be invited in. Right? So their personality is such that you know, John or Jane say, hey, look, what do you think about this? And within five minutes, they have solved everything. They've given the best course of action. So having a projector on your team, as we do in our world and our company, is you invite them in, and guess what? They're brilliant at what they do. So it's really fun to listen to those types of personalities, but you also have to be careful because they, they also are, are, are very um, sensitive to life, lots of pieces of life, right? So you, you, they, they have to be invited in. So there's that personality. The best sort of and most unique personality type or human design type is a reflector. And they're 1% of the population. And think of it this way. A reflector reflects back to you who you are and how they see you. So it's like looking in a mirror. So the 1% of the population, what we look at when we build a business team, and I think this is a great segue to building a business and doing mergers and acquisition and joint ventures uh, to Gina's expertise, is you want to look at the, the personalities because now if you understand who you're working with, you understand how best to communicate, like bank code, but you also understand an amazing little opportunity here is how to see yourself, right, to see who you are because a reflector reflects back. So I'll just give one little antidotal story. You asked me for two. I'm going to give you another one. 
uh, briefly on this topic. So we worked with a design, a personal person who does design, graphics, imaging, right, and branding. And we worked with this person, and before we actually started the work, we found out he was a reflector. And I was like a kid in a candy store, like, oh, this is so cool, because you know what he did? He provided us the exact information that we need based on what he heard from us, and he just reflected it back in a mark, in a logo. So it's actually quite interesting if you get to know people from the inside out. And I appreciate the question and the opportunity to speak to this because it's about knowing your friends, your partners, and, and others in a way that gives you – honors them with integrity of who they are. Does that make sense? It's beautiful. So I, I love – thank you for both of that. And then when you talked about what you wanted to transition to, perfect. I know that Gina will eat that up. <laughs> about, um, you know, joint ventures and mergers and all of that. Yeah, absolutely. Gina, I'd love to answer any specific questions you have. We can stay on the type of the topic of internal knowing who you are. We can also talk about business strategies of how to create the best partnerships. I have spent 30 years doing business partnerships with people from the biggest companies in the world, Intel, Microsoft, Oracle, uh, others. So sitting down with a blank piece of paper, I'd love to have that conversation at some day now or in the future. Oh, that would be fantastic. So when you're creating partnerships or joint ventures, what is it that you want to look at from the inside out? <laughs> well, first and foremost, it's a little bit of a strategy, but when you look at partnerships, um, we have to get into the sort of the next generation of looking at an organization, and that's the character of the organization. So to your, your knowledge, you have the ability to assess that all, the, all right away, but what we'll do is look at the leadership and find out what human design type they are, what bank code type they are, and that gives us the first filter, right? Because at the end of the day, it's about systems and solutions and merger and possibilities. So you've got to say, that's just the starting point. So that's just now the entry point to say, all right, this is the type of person I want to work with. This is the type of company they are organizationally. But then you really have to get into the meat of a relationship. And it has to be what I call bi-directional or mutual. So the, the win-win-win concept that people have been talking about for years, the way that I deploy that is what's the win for the customer first? What's the win for the partners, each of them mutually beneficial and supportive? And is it sustainable? Is it something if you just put in place, does it work forever, so to speak, with, you know, with some guard, guardrails and timelines and time boxing? But if you can create that win-win-win that really does sustainable and is, is a positive financial or business relationship with others, that's how I start first. So knowing the, knowing the company and the organization and then knowing how to craft that right relationship. And sometimes, Gina, it's a blank piece of paper. That's how you start. It really can be. And I know from my own experience that oftentimes if the win for the customer is big enough, the two, the second and the third win can be smaller and it will still go forward because the win for the customer can be so huge. So, you know, that's one of the things I look for all the time. If you don't have the win for the customer first, the rest of it's all totally unimportant. It's not going to work. It won't be sustainable. Exactly. So, yeah, there's lots of ways to navigate this this journey, but ultimately you're looking at what we would call vertical or, or vertical integration, things that, that upside or up, up, up chain of your company or down of your company are, are supporting opportunities. So you want to start to stay in your lane. You don't want to create a partnership with somebody that's outside. And it may sound basic, 
but some people are, are enamored by this, you know, the, the latest sort of shiny object is a joint venture. Well, t- if I could share with your audience, the, the, it could be a shiny object, but it has to be an object that's in your lane or it has proper alignment with your business, your business strategies, and your industry, right? So I, and that sounds silly, but you really got to make sure to start there and then look at the culture of the company and then look at the, the win to the customer. So those are actually three great tips um, out of the gate. Well, in that last one, staying in your lane, it's one of the biggest mistakes I've seen made in joint ventures over the 20-some years that I've been doing them. If you're going after a joint venture partner that has a completely different audience to the one that you serve best, it's not going to work very well, is it? Yeah, absolutely not. And so that's part of that why this – Sort of think of joint ventures now like like the way that a lot of us are, are working with our clients. You have an onboard or a discovery call. So what we do every day with our partnerships is we say, all right, let's talk about it. Let's just have a quick conversation, 15 minutes to a half hour, and see if it makes sense. And in that conversation, we're asking those key questions to your point. We're asking, you know, what what's the end game? What is the value proposition? What do you see in this? And one of the greatest tips I've heard from, from a lot of people uh, and, and a lot of people on the sales side, you can use this in ventures, is what's working now in partnership, what's not working, and what do you want it to look like in six months to a year? And then we'll back into the relationship. So think about it for a second. It's where do you want to be, what's working, what's not working, and how do we create that roadmap to get there? It's a basic, simple process, but at the end of the day, that's how, if you think like that, talk like that, and, and build your decisions in that way in joint ventures – You've got a nice formula that, that really gives you a roadmap to success. Totally agree. What are some of the mistakes that you see people make in looking for partnerships and joint ventures? Well, um, as simple as it sounds, if the first person that crosses your desk, you say that's it. So um, the, the number one thing is don't make an assumption, let it reveal. Right. So one of the things about why we look at people from the inside out is if I made an assumption, for example, I could say on the phone right now, like you and I both know joint ventures. We, we got to work together. Right? I, we have to work together. I could make that statement. That's an assumption that's incorrect. What the right thing to do. So that's the number one mistake. What the right thing to do is say, hey, you know what, Gene, you sound like an amazing human being. You sound like an amazing opportunity to be, to, for us to talk up and look and talk to you about your partnerships and what you do. How could we talk about that and find out if it makes sense, right? So that's a reveal as opposed to an assumption. And so really, and of course, I'm, all of those of you who have heard this are old enough like I am. When you hear you know, what an, the word assumption means, right, it makes a, you know, a, you know, something out of you and me, right? We don't want that happen. So what we really want to do is be clear and conscious and thoughtful. So the number one mistake is making an assumption. Um, the second mistake is, and we talked to it a bit, which is just go, stay not, getting out of your lane. Like, don't go to somebody, and, and don't go to somebody just because they have a big list. So that would be a third piece is data. Just because somebody has a big list doesn't mean their list is good. So what you have to do from a, a secondary perspective is dig into the details, peel that onion back, and say, is the relationship based on fundamental quality of clients, quality of relationships? So you need to dig deeper and say, hey, you know what, you make, you make an assumption around their list or their possibilities, and it won't work. So you, the process is you have to dig a little bit deeper because you're building a business relationship. Seriously, I have three daughters. So I talk about this kind of concept in the same way I talk about building a relationship with their partners. 
or in, in this case, two of them are married, they're husbands. You have to walk before you run. And, I, and I, with them, and it sounds kind of funny, but in business context, you have to see how they like, how they dress, how they smell, how they act, how they work with somebody else. Well, in business, you want to do the same thing, right? You want to talk to their customers. You want to discover how their clients are, re- re- are responding to their business. I believe that your people listening on this show today are authentic and individuals. They're trying to make a difference, which is why they're listening. If they're going to try to make a difference and listen, then they really could and should make sure they're authentic in their discovery of their par- partner. So just taking it a surface level the, the view is the sort of the third, third fact that I would share with your audience. Make sure you take a little deeper look. There's no rush. If it's work, it's going to work, and it's going to work for a long time, as we've already discussed, and Gina has alluded to in, her, I'm sure, all of her other shows. And can you share a story or two of some of the most successful partnerships or maybe one of the success stories and one of the not-so-successful stories? <laughs> well, okay. Well, I'm, gonna, I'm leaving names out of this, and I'm going <laughs> to be very careful I'm about good with that. Me. <laughs> but one of my most successful partnerships, and this is going to sound funny, it's also going to date me a little bit. But I actually, there's a gentleman in, in, that I worked with, and I can give you his name, but I won't. Um, and, but I worked with him in 1989, and he was the Microsoft business partner manager at the time. And we partnered together, and I actually shared with him my entire partner business model, and he emulated it for Microsoft. Now, that's a compliment in my, my book, and he was a great man and a great friend at the time. Uh, we, we've, not, we've lost touch, but, but it was a great business opportunity. And as a result of that, we, we got into a partnership with Microsoft to do some really great things. So much so, at one point, we actually sold Salesforce Automation to Microsoft, and it was for their international rollout. And this is a long time ago, and they've since changed and morphed like, the, like any major organization does. But that partnership gave us an opportunity and created credibility and, and respect they gave us an opportunity to sell software to Microsoft. Pretty cool. So that was one of the most successful ones and, and most fun, obviously, but way back well, when. Not, not course, only we, is that really cool, when I'm teaching people about joint ventures and partnerships, I always use Microsoft as an example because what Microsoft did early on with integration marketing is what allowed Microsoft to become the Microsoft of today. Had they not used integration marketing to get Microsoft products into Dell computers and IBM computers and all the other things that they got it into, it was an example of integration marketing, and it's what it made them into today. Don't you agree? I fully agree, and I'm so happy and proud to say that at one point in time, I was the president of a division called the Integrated Systems Division of Platinum Software. The company is now called Epicor, but I ran the third-party integration systems division. So we integrated into all these other tools to create a better, more robust solution for our clients. In other words, adding value, right? So let's go back to why we, we had yeah. these conversations. Adding value as partnerships, adding value makes a huge difference. It has been my sole purpose in life, and so now we're adding value to our ShapeShift World customers, right? Nothing different, different day, different time, but the same concepts. Oh, I love that. That's fantastic. Okay, go ahead with your next story. (laughs) All right. Well, in manifesting world, I'm a talker. I have a throat channel, so I can talk for days. In fact, I'm not a speaker. I do speak, do all these things. I'm a talker. So, yeah, don't get me started, girl, because I'm going to keep going. But, yeah, thank you. I'll be be specific. So one of the downsides, one of the things that didn't happen is is I, you know, sort of 
this eat your own dog food thing. I built a business partnership a couple years ago, and it was based on a relationship where I didn't do my due diligence. Okay, so yes, how come you know these things? One of my favorite lines ever is the reason I'm really good in business now because I made all the mistakes, and now I can help you tell you to tell tell you what not to do. Right. So when I hire people, I say I know what not to do. Let's work together and figure out what we can do together. So this particular case, I didn't do my due diligence, and I didn't realize that the the quality of material, the quality of the information that was coming on the other side of that equation wasn't up to the level that was what I needed for our customer base. So basically I made a decision that was based on assumptions and I failed. Now, was it a failure? Look, in my world, I always see these as opportunities, but nevertheless, it didn't work the way I wanted it to. So now I know better. Now I'm able to teach, might even say preach, um, that that make sure you do the right due diligence. So that's where those lessons come from, Gina. That's fantastic. Andrea, before we have to lose you, is there anything else you'd like to hear from Lorenzo today? Well, yeah, because you're um, doing these different things in these different areas, you know, tell me how um, – you know, when you're when you're forming relationships with other businesses to help collaborate for your own business, um, c- give us an example so that people um, people are able to identify that hey, I'm a perfect person to go and hang out with Lorenzo and have him, you know, work in my business. Um, you know, to describe what that looks like, what a relationship with you would look like, so that way they can raise their hand and show up. Sure, and thank you for that opportunity. So, number one, we're looking for people that are have these sort of value systems. Number one, it's uh, you're intentional. Uh, number two is that you are heart-based business or individual or company because we only want to work with people that really have the best interests of our clients in mind. We want somebody that has um, a, either some sort of vision or product or service that can elevate other, their partner or their client. Right? So, so we want those value systems that are part of that. And thirdly, we want somebody that really wants to be in a business where it's mutually beneficial and it's about making money to help others. So to your point, one of the things that we do is we work with companies, but ultimately we're trying to make money to give it back to charity. Right? So there's all other backstory that I could share with you at another time, but basically we want to take money and make sense out of it and then give it back. So we built a heart-based company from the beginning, right? And so there's so many conscious companies out there. I'm part of a group called Conscious Capitalism. And it's really amazing when you work in conscious business, then you can have great relationships. So that might be the cornerstone um, that we're talking about here. But the conscious means you're thoughtful, you're intelligent, you're working in the best interest of your clients. You, you have a product or service that, that is marketable and makes sense, can elevate our clients. And then you really want to do something to make a difference in your life as well and your people's lives. Because what really works well for us is, is organizations that serve their internal people as well as external people. So those are some, some quick value statements. Thank you for doing that for me. And then, you know, we haven't given you a chance to talk about what you would love to share that we haven't asked you about yet. And uh, then this has to be my last question. I have to leave about 10 till, um, but I, I am curious to know what don't I know or what haven't you shared with us today that the world would uh, benefit greatly to hear? Well, thank you. So 
one of the things that when you talk about the, all these different aspects of the business or the experiences that I have, um, people might say, and, the, and listeners might say, well, what do you really do, right? Well, at the end of the day, we provide software, technology, audit, business strategies, and overall solutions. We're solutions or a systems company to help you grow your business. So when I said we do what you do what you do best and we'll do the rest, we literally are in the business of building your business. So when we talk about Shapeshift Media or Shapeshift University, those are just you know labeled brands, but they really are just functional business aspects or social engagement with social media. So our number one value proposition is working with clients, making sure that you can do what's important to you, and then we'll backfill all those other pieces. And what's really key about our business model, and I grew up in construction, so I, I liken it to a construction manager or a general contractor. We become the person that you go to, and we'll make sure that all the pieces of the business that you don't have resources for, that we actually support you with those resources. And if we don't have our resources, guess what? We're going to go to the marketplace and our relationships and our partners because if they're already in our world and our space in the Elevate Marketplace, they're already like-minded. They have the values that we talked about. So really what you're getting is a business group that loves to help people grow their business to help others. So our leverage model, which is a great show conversation to have, our leverage model is if we do what we do ourselves the best, then we're helping leverage thousands and hundreds of thousands of other people by helping their businesses grow. So your biggest takeaway for now is it will help your business grow. We can do it with you. We can do it for you, or you can do it yourself. We don't care because we are serving, right? We're serving you. So our heart is there to make your business more successful. And um, we have testimonials to talk about it. We have client referrals to talk about it, but we just live it. And, and uh, we, had a sh- we were on a show recently, and one of the statements that was made from one of my partners, I have two amazing female partners, um, Paula Allen and Karen Millerwise. And in the, their partnership, they're just like me. And what Karen said was really great, and I want to honor her with a statement. She said, Lorenzo walks the talk, right? So I know Gina, if you're doing this for 20 years, you walk the talk. Otherwise, you wouldn't have done it for 20 years. I know you, Andrea, you walk the talk from a red carpet perspective and solutions because you back it up. And the reason I know you walk the talk, yeah, pun intended, is because you're generators, right? So I can actually say that with a different level of confidence because I know in your design, you can't help it. <laughs> so hopefully that makes sense and it puts a smile on your faces because you can't help it but being good because that's who you are by your design. That's too funny. He's not sitting here giggling as you're saying, hopefully that puts a smile on your face. <laughs> so let's well, let's talk about this whole concept of <laughs> Yeah, I totally agree. Let's talk about this whole concept of leverage for a minute. There sure. are so many different ways to bring leverage into business. What are some of, I mean, we've been talking about ways of bringing more leverage into business, whether our listeners realize that or not. That's what everything that's been said on this show is about. It's all about leverage. What are some of your other favorite ways of getting more leverage in a business? Well, thank you for asking that because we've been talking a lot about humans and people and places, um, and we talked about partnerships is also business is the business. But we haven't given given talk and conversation about product and productization. So one of the right. things as a company is make sure you're product based. So leverage in products, oh my goodness, it's amazing because a couple of things. One is if you look at a, what we call a profit pyramid or a product pyramid. 
you, you're building a pyramid, you're building a baseline, and your baseline product is an opportunity. And this is this is kind of a funnel conversation, and it's kind of a just how, how do you how extend your, your business. So in traditional, really keep it simple terms, if you have a base product or service offering that lets people get to know you, right? Because people don't buy products anymore just to buy a product. They're going to buy you. They're going to buy your brand. They're going to buy your service. So the message is if they're buying you, they have to do a bit of a try and buy. Right, so we we call it we call it um, you know a proof of concepts, but providing a baseline product lets them get to know you, your product, your service, and your character of your company. So then you have that baseline product. Well, the leverage point is well, else you have one baseline product. Well, it should lead into another higher end product. In, in simple terms, you may have a great educational product. You might have a great course or a class. Uh, a great book that you want them to buy, and then the next step is to buy uh, maybe a VIP session or a group training session, then it's more VIP sessions. So the product pyramid is just a stack of more value and services that you can provide, but that's leverage. And the reason it's leverage is because you've become trusted with your customer. So your takeaway is this. If they get to know you and like you, um, you want them to stay in your world. And here's why. The number one cost in business or compared number one cost in business is the cost of employees and the cost of acquiring customers so the last thing you want to do is piss off your customers so you want to make sure you have a feedback system a way to connect with them and a way to work with them and a way to leverage them because 80 percent of your future revenues will come from that leverage model from that first client those first clients so that's a huge leverage model that people need to look at as you're looking at your product stack and you're looking at ways you can serve and it's so much bigger than what most people talk about as a quote-unquote funnel, isn't it? Absolutely, because there's so many directions you can take, right? And think about this. Think about um, you're climbing a mountain, and you get halfway up. You get to base camp, right? And at base camp, you might meet another set of people on the mountain that are more expert and more experienced to you. That's your joint venture partner. So all of a sudden now I've got, oh, I've got some more people in this business and more people in climbing this mountain, this opportunity, that have different levels of expertise. That's my joint venture partner. And so now as I get through my product stack, as I get through my leverage points, I'm bringing in partners at a, at a strategic point. So the last thing we talk about in business is strategy. So as you're bringing in partners, you want to put, put them in the right place at the right time for the best possible outcome. And, again, it sounds a little self-serving, but that's what the Elevate Marketplace is about. We're trying to get the best possible outcome between a buyer and a seller. So we're creating a way that we really are ensuring through contracts and obligation that we're going to do the right thing. Well, that's what you want to do in your product. As you bring people in and you bring opportunities in, you want to bring in the right partners, something you don't do, right? What do we do do best? I am not a branding expert. I know a ton about branding. So we bring people in to brand our clients and create those marks just like we did for ourselves. So it's all of those things working together. It's a, it's a masterful piece of, of puzzle, but um, you've got you to have strategy to pull all, to, all of that together. I love it. Exactly what I've been teaching for years. It, it's all well, about like minds, right? And, <laughs> right. And and when it comes together, it's so much more than just a funnel. It's a product line. It's your joint ventures. It's your selling systems. It's all of it combined. And my goal is always not just to get a customer who then buys again. I want that customer to truly become an evangelist. And having an evangelist in my mind is 
much more important than having a quote-unquote tribe or community. An evangelist is someone whose life has been touched at such a deep, meaningful level that when they talk about themselves, they can't help but bring up your brand, your product, you, etc. When they start doing that as evangelists, they're bringing more people into your world without even trying. It's just by their nature almost. And without yeah, the right yeah, product stack, that doesn't happen. Yeah, it's all about momentum and being authentic, right? So we're in a world today where the yes. trends are people know more about you, more about us before we ever talk to them, right? So you have to make sure that you're consistent in everything that you do, consistent in your brand and your messaging. But, yeah, this is a major way to look at your businesses. I'm going to close at least this comment, this chapter, with one I, why I talk about a systems company. Because what Gina was just saying, you're building a system that just works, right? And so I, I liken it to your car, your washing machine, or hopefully most of the time your car. When you turn it on, it just works, right? When you turn on your washing machine, your microwave, it just works. That's a system. So we're building things that are sustainable that always work, right? Because you're putting long-term thinking and strategy into that, whether it's a joint venture partnership, whether it's a product stack, you want to do it in a way that just creates a system that is successful because what you don't want to do is always have to maintain things, right? For those of you who have those lemon cars, right? I've always had to put money into it. It's not really a car anymore. It's a pain in my rear. So you, we build businesses that same way. So Gina, what Gina you're speaking to is, uh, is music to my ears. Yep. That's very, very true. So where can people find out more about, the shapeshift world that you've created and the Elevate Marketplace, Shapeshift University, Shapeshift Media. Yeah, well, thank you for that. As a, as a technology company, we use text onboarding. We've been using it for over two years now. So if you text the word world, W-O-R-L-D, to the phone number 72000, so that's text world to 72,000. You'll get connected and onboarded into our system. You'll get connected. You'll have a checklist of things you can say, what I'm interested in, and we'll connect with you. We'll send you information. And one of the, the messages I will leave, anybody that texts into us, we do not spam you. We are here to serve. So you'll get a message from us now and again, information on what we're doing, where we're going. We are here to serve. So we're simply sharing information at a timely basis not daily email. So do not worry, folks. I, we, do not, we do not text you randomly, and we do not email you randomly. We do it in a thoughtful way. So, yeah, text, text world to 72,000. We'd love to talk. I can't wait. I just texted world to 72,000. Can't <laughs> wait to see what I get back. Awesome. Well, it's one of the things that we do. It's, a, it's called a Build My List uh, opportunity, and it's customized mobile landing pages and interaction. So uh, we've, we've done some fun things, but it's, again, to, to serve our clients. I am a technologist. Check this out. I'm an accountant turned technologist, so go figure. I started out in accounting. I was a corporate controller, and I fell in love with technology in the, in the 80s. And I'm like, oh, this is so much fun. So, yeah, so it's about using and leveraging technology as well as uh, taking business strategy for your business. So, Gina, it's, uh, it's been a real pleasure having a chat with you so far and love to answer any final questions you might have. Well, boy, to fall in love with technology in the 80s before the Internet even became a reality, holy cow, what a background that is. And likewise, when I was five years old, my dad was a computer programmer. He used to travel around the country for three months at a time 
programming arsenals and steel mills and power plants. And when he'd come home, he'd be home for three to four days, and then he'd go back out for another three months. So when I was five Mm -hmm. years old and Dad would come home for these three-day trips, the only way that I could get time with him was if I was helping him debug his programs. Now, we're talking way back mm-hmm. in, like, the late 60s, early 70s. <laughs> you bet. So I was five when Dad taught me algebra so that I could help him debug his code. And I have been a lover of technology since probably the 70s. Again, another mm-hmm. synchronicity between us. But yeah. what about technology got you to shift from being an accountant to a technologist. That's a huge shift. Yeah, so a couple of things. One is when I was running was a controller, I also had the responsibility for the the, um, the IT group, so our computer system. So uh, not knowing a ton about it, I, I really dug into it because I'm, I'm very inquisitive. On my human design, I'm a 5-1. That one means I really need to know. I need to know how things work. And so I'm very inquisitive that way. So I realized that I bought the first IBM PCs, and, like, these are great. But what really got me into this, and this is a bit of a sad story, but a true story, a great lesson, is my oldest daughter in, in July of 1987 was diagnosed with cancer, and I bought my first luggable computer. It was a compact computer, $4,000. Okay, that is a ton of money back then. But I built my first million-dollar business from the hospital bed. She was in the hospital for nine straight months. And when I tell the story, people say, well, what happened? Well, the greatest part of the story is not only did I build a business because I was with my daughter 24-7, but what we did is we started this business, and we were successful, and guess what? I was able to pay for my daughter for her college, and now, 23 years later, she became an oncology nurse at that same hospital, San Diego Children's Hospital at Rady Children's. So she's giving back through her education and her love, and there's nobody more appropriately set to tell and treat cancer patients than a cancer patient who knows and understands what that looks like. So we've been so blessed, and that's why this company is built to make money to give it back to charity, because we've been so blessed with the people that have served us and supported us over these years. So technology changed my life. Oh, what an amazing story. You're right, sad story, but wow, what a fantastic story. And I remember the days of those luggable computers <laughs> i had one too absolutely uh, of course got my first epson as i i left for law school that was my first downsized luggable i had the compact before that so i get oh, it oh my god wow gina the, the coolest thing ever is when i i just went through we do a technology um, timeline discussion and some of the brands that we have and the coolest thing ever is like you know, when we were around, cell phones didn't exist. I had my first luggable cell phone. I mean, we've been so blessed to see live in these generations and, and see the technology changes. But how wonderful is it now to have a mobile computer, mobile phone, smartphone that gives us all this information? So we connect with our clients on smartphones, which is why the texting solution. So it is so much fun. I'm like a kid in a candy store with the next technology. So if there's anything we do is we stay uh, abreast of the newest technologies because it's a passion for me. It sounds like it might even be a passion for you. It is. When I left for law school in 1989, my father decided I had to have a cell phone. Well, back then, they were like a whole briefcase. They weren't even a bag phone yet. They were still more like a briefcase. And I'm like, Dad, with all the books I'm going to have to tote back and forth for law school, how am I going to carry this thing? It's so heavy. And my computer, (laughs) I, I couldn't figure it out. 
So by the time I got out of law school, we had downsized the bag phones, and that was at least a little better, more like the size of a purse. I can't even imagine what it would be like to go back to law school today with all the technology that we now have. What a different experience entirely. Yeah, I, I love that. If I could just, uh, tell an anecdotal story, which is kind of funny. Um, one of the things that's really important to us in how we work and how we build life experiences is because we have a brand called Build My Life, because a lot of people are trying to step into a journey. And um, I'm in just the final stages of, of finishing a book, uh, and the book is about um, transformation. And what I, what I realize when you think about this transformation in these journeys is you learn things at a cellular level. So learning things at a cellular level is like putting your finger in, 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 a, in, a, in a socket or putting your finger in the fire. Like you learn that that's not a good thing to do. Well, I, on technology stories, I put my hand down in my little pocket phone that was so big, you know, it was, it, and I burned my fingers on the base of the phone because it was so hot. It looked like a shaving kit. So my cellular learning was don't grab the damn phone <laughs> at the base, right? Grab it at the little handle. But it still had a handle. It's still tethered. So just seeing the change of technology, it's just so much fun. And, and to use it in a way that can leverage and support your household and your friends and your family, that's what we're talking about, folks. We're talking about making a difference and staying on top of things, and that's what Gina can do for you. That's what we do for our company. We just leverage things in ways that make things more efficient for you so that you can do what you love and you're passionate about. So that's really the message here. Create leverage by using people to do things that you shouldn't be doing based on your design, based on your knowing, whatever that is. Be very very clear about how you can serve yourself. And that's an important message for me to, to leave you with for now. That's a fantastic message. Do you by chance know Gary Ryan Blair, the founder of 100daychallenge.com? I know of him. I do not know him. I have got to get the two of you connected. The entire time we've been talking today, Gary's a dear friend and a client. I I keep hearing Gary's words coming out of your mouth so many times. <laughs> I've got to get the two of you connected. So I will make that happen yeah. for you, Lorenzo. You guys have so much Thank in common. I can't wait to be a part of that conversation. And make sure that you change worlds to 72,000 before you get off of the show today. I've already done so and gotten my response, so I will be checking that out when we hang up. Outstanding. Well, it's just been such a joy to talk about ways to leverage and help people. I mean, how fun is this, right? We're trying to make a difference. We're like-minded, and we really are living into my last sort of spin here is the Aquarian Age, started 2016. It's about collaboration, cooperation, and everything, our relationships, our business. We are here, people, to work together now. Let's focus on that. We really are. And, you know, making a difference in the world is just one more way of getting that much more leverage into your life and your business, isn't it? Absolutely. The the, the fact of the matter is you're doing things and allowing people to serve you in a way that's collaborative. That is beautiful. It is the ultimate opinion, my opinion, of leverage, right? It's you're serving together in ways that make a difference, and it's leveraging the energy, harnessing the energy, and I'm about energy as well. Um, boy, how great is that going to be when people are, are positively creating energy, working together, supporting each other, doing what you do best. Uh, it, it, these are game changers if, if you really look at it, people, and get in alignment with who you are and how you're supposed to show up. Good stuff. I, com- I completely agree. Well, thank you so much for joining us here on Leverage Masters, Lorenzo. 
We will be back same time, same place next week. Have a fantastic week, everyone. Thank you. Bye for now. (coughs) Tune in next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Black Book page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters. Thank you.